Well, as Matt mentioned a few minutes ago, we're in the second of our Advent series sermons, and this is O Come All You Faithful. Justin Pearson is going to be preaching to us this morning. Please open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. Karis Vesegi is going to read them for us now. Luke 2, verses 8 to 20. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest! And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds had told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Amen, amen. Well, church, it's good to gather with you this morning. It's good to be with you indoors. I know we had some moments together outside, sometimes it was super hot, sometimes not so much, but it's good to be together in person, and for those of you that are gathering online, as Mark said, my name is Justin. If we haven't had the chance to meet, I hope that we can remedy that soon, uh, whether that's after the service today or even after uh, the member meeting this afternoon. Before we dive into Luke 2, I'd love just to take a moment and just pray, so would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the gift that is the church. God, we thank you that it's a a means of grace to us to help us in following you and worshiping you to gather together. So God, we pray that as we're gathered now, that you by your Holy Spirit would help us to be attentive to what you want to communicate to us today. God, I pray that you would calm and quiet our souls that you'd calm and quiet our minds before you, that you would remove distractions, whether they're current in the room distractions or just things that are going on in life right now that are weighing us down. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd move in this time, that you draw us closer to you, and that above all, that we would leave today with great adoration for King Jesus. We pray all this in his name. Amen. You know, growing up, for me, Christmas and the Advent season was one of my favorite times of the year. Now, Advent uh, starts a few weeks before 
the day of Christmas, and it's this season to be celebrating and remembering and focusing on the fact that Christ has come and will come again. And as a, as a kid, I loved this time of year, not just because I knew that I was going to get two weeks off of school or get gifts, I mean, those things are great, but, but I, I love then and I still love just all the decorations that come along with Christmas. In, in our home and in the church, the church I grew up in, there'd be a, a Christmas tree and we'd spend time even the first Sunday of Advent talking about the symbolism of the different decorations that we had and why we put them up year after year. I love then and I still do all the songs that we sing during this season. And over the years, those songs have come to mean a lot more to me as I've understood the lyrics a bit more. I mean, some of these songs that we sing and the church has been singing for hundreds of years, it's amazing. They're so rich with truth. That's one of the reasons this Advent season we're doing this specific sermon series called Songs of Advent. What we're doing is, is we're taking a specific text of scripture and we're preaching from that text of scripture, but using fairly well-known Advent hymns to illustrate and affirm the truths that we see in the scripture to help us to continue to see those things and believe those things. Well, this week I get to do two of my favorites. Our text today, as you just heard, is from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And as I was studying it this week, it really made me uh, kind of reminisce about the time that our family would spend reading those specific verses on Christmas Eve before we went to bed. It made me think about that and, and be thankful for that time. And it also, as I was studying this week, just continued to kind of refresh and, and drive just a passion for my soul again to think about what's actually taking place in this story. How magnificent it is, the majesty of what we see in God's word. And we get to use one of my favorite Advent songs to do that. O come, all ye faithful. O come, all ye faithful. It's a hymn that was written in 1743 by a man named John Francis Wade. It was written in Latin originally, and so it wasn't translated to English until 1841. But the church has been singing it now for a long time. Now, for some of you, this text and this song and even the idea of celebrating Advent might be new to you. Maybe you've never really done that before, and that's great. I'm really thankful and glad that you're gathering with us this morning, and I hope that you'll be here for the rest of this sermon series and this season. But for many of us, I know that if you've been around the church for a while, that not only is this text probably very familiar to you, this song is probably very familiar to you as well. And so you may be thinking this morning, I already know how this goes. I, I know what happens in the story. I, I know all the details. I could rehearse it back. Maybe some of you even have it memorized or close to memorized because you've heard it so often. You could sing this song with your eyes closed because you've heard it so often over the years. So you may be thinking, I know how this goes. What is going to be different for me this morning? I can't promise you anything's going to be different. But my hope is, and what I believe God wants to do, if you will, slow down for a moment and lean in. And lean in and strive with fresh eyes and ears to see and hear what God wants to communicate to you through his word this morning. I really believe that God, by the power of his spirit, wants to do something in your heart, wants to do something in your life unique during this season of Advent in your life. You and I, we, we live in a world of distractions. There's constant distraction all around us, but that's why I love that we're in this specific text this morning. That's why I love that we're looking at this specific song this morning, because both are an invitation an invitation to bring you out of the distraction. 
They're an invitation to every single person that's gathered here in person this morning, every single person that's online this morning, whether you already know Christ and have been celebrating Advent for a long time, or maybe you're just checking out who Jesus is, this is an invitation for you, and it's an invitation to come to Bethlehem and see. To come to Bethlehem and see, it's an invitation to adoration. But this invitation, it isn't just for the Advent season, but for every day of your life until our King comes again. And so my hope for you today is that you would truly come and adore Jesus. Because when you truly come and adore Jesus, when you set him before you and your heart's affections and your mind's attention is on Christ, I believe God will give you a surpassing peace. It's for your good and it's for your joy in the midst of a messy world. So let's jump into Luke chapter two this morning and let's come to Bethlehem. Let's come and adore Jesus. As we get into this section of Luke, we have to realize that a lot has happened up to this point. If we go back to Luke chapter one, which is a long chapter in the scriptures, and if you've never read that before, I'd encourage you just to take some time even this week to go back and read Luke one. But in Luke one, we see that Jesus's birth has been foretold that Mary, a virgin, would give birth to the very Son of God. So when we get to the beginning of chapter 2, we see these things are in motion here. A decree has been made from the emperor, and the emperor is telling everybody that he wants to count everyone. He wants to take a census. And so he sends everybody back to their ancestral homes to be counted. At this point, Mary is very pregnant, and so she, along with her fiancé, Joseph, head to Bethlehem. That's the ancestral home of Joseph. And while they're there, the time comes for Mary to give birth. Now, I have four kids. Three of them were born four or five weeks early. And so when my wife Amy has been in her third trimester, we try to stay close to home. We're not, we're not going to travel anywhere far. We want to be near the hospital that we're supposed to go to. I cannot imagine being in the final trimester, maybe the final month of the pregnancy, and Mary's tri- tra- traveling a really, really, really long way from home, from the familiar, and not to be giving birth in a nice hospital either. The text doesn't tell us explicitly that they were in a barn or a stable, but it's certainly implied that Jesus was born among animals. Once this baby is born, they wrap him in strips of cloth and they lie him, lay him in a manger. He's lying in a feeding trough for animals. I love what's going on here. I mean, think about this. The most powerful man in all of the world, Caesar Augustus, the most powerful man in all the world, the known world at that time, is seeking to show how much power he is, how, how much power he has, how great he is by counting all of his people. But the God of the universe is showing how great he is and how much he loves his people by becoming one of them. The one who Gabriel told his mother Mary would rule and reign forever is born into the humblest of circumstances. It's then that we come to our text today. And we see these two main things happening in our text today that are gonna help us to come to Bethlehem and see. We see an unexpected announcement and an invitation to adoration an unexpected announcement, and an invitation to adoration. Let's look at the first one, an unexpected announcement, which we see in verses 8 through 11. Let me read verse 8 for us again. It says, In the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. These are shepherds. They're, they're hanging out doing shepherd things. 
They're spending time with their sheep, and it's the middle of their night. They're protecting and guarding them in this field that's located somewhere in and around the area of Bethlehem. And shepherds were normal, ordinary people. There's some debate among scholars about the, the view that people had of shepherds, but everybody agrees there wasn't anything particularly spectacular or special about these shepherds. But it's to these very ordinary people that God decides to reveal his greatest news. Look at verses 9 and 10. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. I mean, can you imagine this? Like, just, just stop and try and place yourself into what's going on here. I know most of us, probably none of us, actually are shepherds or spend time hanging out in fields at night with sheep. But maybe some of you have a dog and you go walk your dog at night. Can you imagine walking along on the sidewalk with your dog? Maybe you lean down to pick up some mess of your dog and all of a sudden this huge bright light shines in your face and you're taken aback by that and you look up and there's a glowing person standing in front of you. That would be obviously terrifying to you. These shepherds have that experience, but the angel quickly assures them he's not there to hurt them. They don't need to be afraid. He's come to bring them good news of great joy. And it's not just good news for these shepherds, but for all people. And what is this good news? Verse 11, he tells us, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Now, here's where, if you're familiar with this story, we need to stop for a moment and really think about what's going on here because the gravity of what he's saying here in 2020 might be lost on us, especially if we're familiar. We have to remember, we have to understand the state of things for God's people in this moment in time. There had not been a prophet or word from the Lord in about 400 years. God's people hadn't heard from the Lord in about 400 years. God was silent. But then we see in Luke 1 and Luke 2, as God's people are longing and waiting for a word to come, it's even more than that, they're longing for a redeemer to come to rescue them and restore them. In Luke 1 and 2, we see that a word comes, that God speaks, and he sends his messengers, his angels, to begin to speak these words in Luke 1 and Luke 2, and he brings a message of hope and of joy, of light breaking into darkness, and it comes by way of a baby. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us that at many times and in many ways, God spoke to us through the prophets, but now in these last days, he's spoken to us through his son. But it's a baby. But it's not just any baby. No, these angels say, for unto you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We learn three things by this description about who this baby is. He is the Savior. Not a savior, but the savior, this child who will come and deliver you from all of your sin. He is the rescuer. He is the redeemer that you've been longing for and need. He's the Christ. He's the promised Messiah, the anointed one. Mark spoke about that last week. He is Lord. He's sovereign. He's king over all. In other words, in the short description of what this angel says about this baby, is this baby isn't like anyone else in the world, not even Caesar. This is insane news. The the one the people of Israel had been longing for has come. 
But this angelic announcement after an unimpressive place of birth comes not to kings, not to people in high places. It comes to this everyday group of people. Why? Why does God in this moment, when Christ has come into the world, why does he choose to announce it to a group of shepherds before anybody else? Because our God brings good news. He brings the best news to all people. To all people. It's not reserved for the elite or the worldly wise. It's not just for those who know a lot or have a lot. Who look a certain way or speak a certain language. It's for the simple and the ordinary. As Jesus is born into humble circumstances, so he brings this good news to the humble. See, the angel, he he didn't announce good news to the shepherds because the shepherds were good. He announced good news to them because our God is gracious. Our God is gracious. It's for people who know they don't have it all together, which means this good news is for you. And it's for me too. You know, we're a lot more like the shepherds than we like to think. Most of us aren't famous or powerful. Most of us are not of noble birth just like these shepherds. Shepherds whose names are not even recorded in this story. We don't know how many are there. We don't know who they are. They appear here not to appear again because this story for them, like us, they're not the focus of it. They're not the focus of this story. No, this story is about the one who who would come and has come from beginning to end. They're in the pages of this book. It's about the Savior who is Christ the Lord and he has come to them And he has come to you. This indeed is good news. The most amazing news of great joy. So this angel comes with this unexpected announcement which leads him to make an invitation to adoration. Our second point. We see this in verses 12 through 20. In verse 12, the angel makes it clear that it isn't just for the sake of information that he's telling these shepherds about this good news. But that he actually wants the shepherds, like our song says that we're going to sing after the sermon, come to Bethlehem, come and behold him. He he wants them to actually go find this child. And so he gives them a sign. He has to give them some clues. Well, where is he, right? I mean, if they walk into Bethlehem and they just happen to see a baby somewhere, how are they going to know it's the right one? So he gives them a sign. He says, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths. Great. Got it. Nothing really different there. Lots of babies are wrapped in cloths, blankets of some sort, and he's going to be lying in a manger. Wait, what? Did you say a manger? Like the thing that animals eat out of? The the Savior, who is Christ the Lord, is lying in a feeding trough? Yes. Yes, look for him there. Look for his humble beginnings and his humble circumstances. Look for someone like you. Look for someone like you. Now they don't have much time to think about this or ask questions of this angel because look at verses 13 and 14. It says, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. I mean, if they weren't startled already, this would be even more startling to them. They're talking to this messenger of God with the light and the glory of God shining around them that's pierced the darkness. You're out there walking your dog. Maybe you've 
gotten over the fact that there's now an angel speaking to you, but then it gets even brighter, and now there's not just a few more angels, it says a multitude of angels. There's too many for you to count all over the place, and they're not just hanging out, they're singing. They're praising God. They're shouting and declaring glory to God in the highest. Sing choirs of angels. Sing in exaltation, our hymn declares. Glory to God in the highest, declaring praise to the one who is above all things. Why? Why do they praise God the Father here in this moment? Because he sent his son into the midst of the brokenness and the darkness to rescue you. And he has come to bring peace on earth because he is the promised prince of peace that Isaiah talked about 700 years before he was born in Isaiah chapter 9, the one who would rule and reign forever and ever. The world we live in is not at peace right now because the world you and I find ourselves in doesn't follow God. Our, Our sin has destroyed our humanity. Our rebellion has crushed our relationships. Our relationships with one another, our relationship with God. But Jesus comes to restore what sin has broken. Jesus comes to repair what our rebellion has destroyed. Jesus is our peace. And when Jesus is our peace, he will bring about shalom. The Hebrew word that we often translate peace But the word shalom isn't just about the absence of conflict. When Jesus brings the peace of God, when Jesus is our peace, when he brings about shalom, he's bringing about wholeness and harmony and completeness. No more conflict, reconciliation. Let me ask you, where do you need that kind of peace in your life right now? I know I need it in my life. Maybe you have a relationship that's on the outs right now or difficult and you're not sure how to navigate that. Maybe you're struggling with physical ailments or difficulty or maybe, hello, it's 2020. You're just like, yes, I need that kind of peace in my life right now. Jesus brings that. Now he says, the angels say, peace has come to those whom God is pleased. This doesn't mean that because you've earned it, you get this peace. It doesn't mean because you figured it out that you received this kind of peace. We know from the pages of scripture that salvation never comes by works or what you do for God. No, he gives peace to those, those, who he, he, those whom he is pleased means that he has chosen to show his favor. He's chosen to show his grace to humanity even though we don't deserve it. And it's for those who will receive his wonderful gift of redemption by faith. This is what this means for us. The hope of the world, the hope of the world right now in our lives is not found in white houses, castles, or capitals. The hope of the world is found in a manger, it's found on a cross, it's found in an empty tomb. Now you and I and these shepherds cannot hear news like this and not respond. It was true for them, and I want it to be true for all of us as well. I want you, in this moment, throughout this season, to come to Bethlehem. I want you to come and adore the Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Look at verses 15 through 17. It says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. 
And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. There's this huge crowd of angels all around them that have announced all this, and then suddenly they're gone. It's just the shepherd standing there now in this dark field. What an experience. But they don't stand around and just kind of look at one another. They don't deliberate and discuss and deduce if this is real or worthwhile. They don't respond with skepticism. They respond with faith. I'm sure still trembling, minds swimming a bit. They make a quick decision. Let's go. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this baby. Verse 16 says they go with haste. I mean, I picture these guys just like kind of dropping everything. Haste doesn't mean they've thought it out. They're not like, okay, where are all the sheep? Can you stay here? Watch them. They like drop everything and take off. I can imagine them booking it across the field, jumping fences, running through creek beds just to make their way into Bethlehem because they have to see what they've heard about. They went to behold him, the one who is the king of the angels who have just announced his birth. They run to see the savior and they find him just as the angels said they would, lying in a manger. And they tell everyone who's gathered there all that they've seen and heard. I mean, that's what happens in your life and in my life when we begin to adore Jesus. We can't help but testify to who our God is and who our Savior is. We can't help but testify to the good news of great joy. And who is God put in your life right now that needs to hear you testify to this same good news this Advent season? Somebody on your street, your apartment building, a coworker, somebody you'll run into today when you go grab lunch real quick before the member meeting, who is it that needs to hear you testify to this good news? The shepherds testify and it elicits responses. This testimony about Christ does from all who are there. Verse 18 says, all who heard it wondered. They were perplexed and amazed. But Mary, Mary responded a bit differently. Look at verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Church women are so important to God's design for creation. Men and women are made in the image of God. We are co-image bearers. And I I love that. It's something we have to continue to remember. And I love how Mary, this woman, and this mom is described. All these other people are kind of scratching their heads like, wow, that's crazy. But Mary, she's treasuring these things in her heart. She's thinking deeply about them. Now, I've looked at my kids' faces often and been in awe of them. I've been moved by looking in their eyes and thinking about these little tiny humans in front of my face. But never once have I ever had the thought or idea that they are for my redemption or my rescue. (laughs) But here's Mary. I mean, I can't imagine what's going on in her heart and her head. This is her baby. She's carried for nine months. The one who Gabriel said would be the king of kings. The one who she was told to name Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. This is her child who is also her savior. She hears the words of these strangers and she treasures them in her heart. She thinks deeply about what they've said and I imagine with a smile on her face. She beholds the face of her son, God's son, Christ the king who one day she would look and see crucified on a cross for her. The shepherd's faith is confirmed. It's it's deepened as they see this baby now face to face and it leads them 
to worship. It leads them to adoration. Look at verse 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. We don't know how long they're there, but when they leave, they leave in awe. When they leave, they leave in wonder. They leave in worship. They leave glorifying and praising God for all they've seen and heard. I mean, these shepherds' lives would never, ever be the same again. Now, you and I don't have the experience of the shepherds. We, we can't go to literal Bethlehem and see Jesus lying in a manger, but we can see in these pages. And we can see in our heart and mind as the Spirit shows us those things in our lives. And that's why I love the invitation of this song that we sing during Advent because it invites us into that. Even now, I love that it invites us to come to Bethlehem and see. It invites you to adoration. It invites you to infatuation of Jesus. It invites you to refocus your heart and refocus your mind. Because I know for me, Maybe it is for you too. It's so easy for me to not be in awe of Christ. To go about my life and find myself taken in by less glorious things. To find myself adoring too many small things in my life. Do do you know what I'm talking about? Like shiny things that get in the way for adoration of the most glorious thing that we could ever experience. You and I need help to refocus. We need help to realign our hearts. We need to eject that within our hearts which isn't honoring to Christ by having something greater be in our heart, an adoration of Jesus. We need to keep coming to Bethlehem. We need to keep seeing our Savior. And so we sing to one another and over one another, O come, all ye faithful. O come, all ye faithful. O, at the beginning of this song, is a, is a call to response. It's a call with a sense of urgency to it. And faithful here is a reference to followers of Jesus. O come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. I'm glad that we're talking about this now at the beginning of December, the beginning of this Advent season for all the normal reasons that oftentimes, at least in America, the, Christ, the Christmas season can also be, uh, a lot of times be driven by consumerism. So I'm glad that we're refocusing and talking about that, but I'm also glad because it's 2020 and, and it's been a hard year. I don't know about you, but I found myself at various times as Advent has begun, not feeling very much like it's Advent. Like this year feels like the movie Groundhog Day to me. Like every day kind of seems the same. And on one hand, it's gone by really, really fast. And on the other hand, it feels like five years packed into one. How's that possible? It's been difficult. It's been sad for a lot of different reasons not just on a global scale, but I know on a personal scale for you as well for different reasons. And so my guess is, is that a lot of us, we don't feel particularly joyful or triumphant like we sang earlier. But that's exactly why we need to come to this story again. It's exactly why we need to come to sit and to soak and to see the gloriousness of it, no matter how familiar it happens to be to you to come and look at it with fresh eyes, to hear this song with fresh ears. 
a song that we get to sing with one another and over one another. Man, one of the joys of gathering together as the church and why it's so hard that all of us can't be together right now is that we don't just come here to be here by ourselves. We don't come as a bunch of disconnected individuals. We come to join our voices together in praise. And I know that some Sundays you don't feel like singing or you're gonna have a hard time singing the words that are on the screen because you don't believe them to be true. But that's why the people around you are here. When you lack faith, they may have faith to sing that song over you to encourage your heart. Don't come on Sundays for you. Come on Sundays for the person sitting next to you to sing this song for them. I found myself struggling at different points and maybe you have as well, but it's why this season, the celebration of Advent is so important for God's people now just like it was then. The world at the time of Jesus' birth was dark also. The people of God were struggling. But as writer Wendell Berry succinctly said, it gets darker and darker, then Jesus is born. Then Jesus is born. Let's not forget that light has broken into the darkness and the darkness will not overcome it. It will not overcome him. He has come and he will come again. So what this means for you is that you can be joyful, you can be triumphant, not because all of your circumstances are wonderful or perfect or comfortable, not because you've figured out the secrets of success in life, not because you're better than those around you. You can be joyful and triumphant because Jesus is like you and he is for you. He came to us as one of us to rescue us. You can be joyful and triumphant, not because you've defeated all of your fears and all of your foes on your own, but because Jesus went to a cross and he stood in your place as a substitute for you. And he took on all of your sin and all of your shame and Jesus rose again from the grave to triumph over all of your enemies, your greatest enemy of all, sin and eternal death. You can be joyful and triumphant because Jesus has walked this path before you and he's walking with you still. See, this story isn't some normal, nice, neat kind of cuddly story. This is a story about an invasion that God himself has broken into darkness. He's come into darkness on a rescue mission in the sun, in the form of the sun, taking on humanity to provide the only way for you to be made whole, the only way for you to be made new, the only way for you to have everlasting peace and abounding joy. And this hymn that we're about to sing, it's a gift to you because it graciously invites you to place yourself in the positions of the shepherds and their response. It's an invitation to adoration for you too. O come ye to Bethlehem, come and behold him. What do the shepherds do? They go, they go to Bethlehem, but they don't just go out of curiosity. They don't go with a quick peek of, oh, that's nice, sentimentality. No, they go in haste, they testify in faith, and they leave in worship. They come to behold and come to adore the word of the Father now in flesh appearing. This text and this song invite you to do the very same thing. Then our world right now is in desperate need of hope. 
Our world right now is in desperate need of light breaking into darkness. And you and I have the privilege, the opportunity to take that message to our neighbors and to the nations that don't know it and don't believe it. But listen, you're never going to do that if you're not coming to Bethlehem and seeing yourself. You're never going to do that if you're not adoring Christ above all yourself. So whether Jesus is new to you or you've been following him for years, celebrating Advent for years, my encouragement is the same. Run with haste. Run with haste like the shepherds. Run with haste to Jesus. In a year of difficulty, in a season of distraction, in a life that's often marked by disappointments and discouragements, run with haste. Come and behold and adore, not after you get everything together, but in the midst of the mess. Listen, we're going to have to keep striving to do this. My, my hope is you're encouraged right now, but Monday comes tomorrow. And something difficult is going to happen in your life, frustrating in your life on Wednesday, or temptation might come on Friday. How can you get back to Bethlehem and see in those moments? Real quick, I just want to give you a few things that have been helpful for me. Always, for all of us, spending time in God's word and in prayer is always going to help realign your heart and realign your focus on Christ our King. So if you're not reading the Bible regularly, you're not praying regularly, I want to encourage you to start doing that. And if you don't know how to do that, you don't know what that looks like on a regular basis in your life, there are people in this room that would love to help you. I'd love to help you. Come talk to me. During this Advent season, something that I try to do is listen to Advent music. I have it on in my car when I'm driving around. I put it on in our house. We're listening to it as a family. Maybe you don't know where to go for that. Thankfully, there's lots of great resources out there. The Gospel Coalition last year and this year put out a playlist on Spotify with about 100 Advent songs. Go, go check that out. Listen to that music. Think about the words. Let it be sung over you. We try to do an Advent devotional with our kids, and I do one with my wife. Nothing crazy. There's a couple of good ones out there for kids. If you don't know what those are, or don't have those before you, let me know. I'll be glad to send those to you. Amy and I right now are reading Paul Tripp's Come Let Us Adore Him devotional. There's a few copies in the bookstore. You could go grab those. I also saw that Sinclair Ferguson has an Advent devotional. I haven't read it, but it's Sinclair Ferguson, so it must be good. Go grab some of those in the bookstore before you leave. And here's something really simple for me that just helps me. I love just sitting near my Christmas tree. <laughs> not with my phone. Like the lights off, just the lights in the Christmas tree. I love that. Just thinking about the light of the world coming into the midst of the darkness. And I love being with the church, hearing the word sung and prayed and read and preached to me over and over again, preached to me and over me. Maybe you have other things that have been helpful for you. I just want to encourage you this week, share those with your community. Listen, when you adore something, when you adore someone that is actually worthy of your adoration, it brings true joy because everything else that's occupied your heart and mind, that's been trying to steal joy from you or prop up some temporary idea of joy, it all fades into the background because you're able to see for what it's, what it's really worth. So church, come to Bethlehem. Come and behold him. Come and adore the son of God and the savior of the world. Our hope in this series is to help you slow down so you can be in awe. So 
midst all the noise and all the clatter. May your love and affection, may our voice and praise for our King rise above it all. Sing with the angels, ye citizens of heaven. Sing in adoration and exaltation to the one who has come to rescue you and the one who will come again to make all things new. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Oh, glorious God, we thank you for not leaving us to ourselves. God, thank you for not leaving us in the darkness. Thank you, God, that you sent your son to rescue and redeem us, not from a distance, but by taking on our humanity and entering into our mess. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd help us to see and savor Jesus this week. Help us to come to Bethlehem and see. Help us to come and adore the King of Kings. And Father, I pray that out of the overflow of our adoration, that you would send us out to testify to those around us about this good news of great joy. Revive our hearts, God, so that revival might take place around us here in Fairfax. God, help us to come to Bethlehem. Help us to adore Christ our King this year. We pray this in his name.